Hello and welcome to a special episode of the Football Media Podcast on the team of John O'Shea's platform. I'm John McKenzie and across the course of the new season I've been bringing you a weekly podcast that seeks to open up the often murky underworld of the football media. In this mini episode I talk to Alex Bryson, an assistant producer with Sunset and Vine, about the EFL broadcast package that was announced on Monday. In the course of the conversation, we talk about the background to the deal, the various complaints that have been aimed at the process that the EFL has undergone, and we look forward to the probable after-effects of the agreement. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with your friends, subscribe, rate and review on iTunes in order to help us gain exposure, and if you're a social media person, follow us on Twitter at FootyMediaPod. Later this week, we'll be featuring a roundtable discussion on women and the football media, but before that, it's Alex Bryson, the EFL broadcast package, and the future of the Football League's media presence. Enjoy. I'm joined today by Alex Bryson, an assistant producer working for Sunset and Vine, who worked for the last three seasons on the EFL Highlights Package. Alex, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm very good. Uh, thank you so much for coming on today. Before we begin talking about the EFL highlights package, I like to situate my guests by giving them the chance to talk a little bit about their own journeys in, in the football media. So could you tell us a little bit about how you ended up working in the football media? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I previously worked in uh, radio before getting into TV, sort of worked as a broadcast journalist at a few different uh radio stations and then an opportunity came up uh at my current company sunset and vine three and a half years ago they just got the rights to the uh football league highlight show on channel five uh and i got a job there as a researcher and, I, and i've been there ever since so working on that show for three years and now sort of doing various uh other bits and bobs for the company so a bit of premier league stuff a vt sport a few other sports here and there a bit of equestrian bit of boxing a bit of a mixture really Let's talk about the EFL package that has just been announced. Could you give us a little bit of uh, of background on on the EFL highlights package, where it's come from, and then we can start talking a little bit about the scheduling for the for the various press releases about the details of the current package. Yeah, well, I mean, so this is the this is the new deal that's coming into into effect from next season. Uh, sort of the the first we sort of heard of it was about sort of 12 months ago uh, where it was sort of the, these numbers were released it was 600 million pounds for for 5 years uh that was provisionally agreed uh 12 months ago um and then we've uh now sort of got the de- the the details of this deal have come out that was signed off on on Monday uh which is i think fairly similar in a, in a lot of details but a few things have changed it's now worth 5 million pounds less it's now 595 million pounds uh and sky are actually getting more games for it and we'll touch on that later how that sort of rubs a few championship clubs up the wrong way but um it still represents a big deal for the EFL uh we'll touch on this a bit more but it's a 35% increase on their current deal uh and it is 5 years long so you know, some people would say that it locks them in for five years in quite a fluid media landscape, but some others would say, you know, it, in terms of security and guaranteed payment, that sort of thing, you know, for the 72 clubs, they've, they've got that sort of security for a five-year period. And it seems, from what I've been reading about it, that it benefits the smaller clubs, particularly as they've been the bigger clubs who've had problems with this. Why, why do you think that's the case? Well, yeah, you're right. It, a, lot of the, uh, a lot of the issues are with the bigger clubs. I think the smaller clubs, the League 1 and League 2 clubs, I think they're getting around it's uh, 20 games a season. I think it is League, league 1 and League 2 clubs, which is, which is quite good. And then you've got, you know, the... Uh, Final of the uh, the EFL Trophy, the Checker Trade Trophy, sorry, and the semi-finals will be shown. Um, 
14 ties from the earlier rounds of the Carabao Cup where, where you can have League One and League Two clubs there. So um, they're probably going to get a fair bit of exposure. And, and although they don't get as, uh, as big a slice of the cake as the championship clubs, they are still guaranteed an income from this. And, you know, if it's a 35 percent increase and it's there for five years, you know, a lot of these a lot of these teams, you know, are sort of walking the walking the wire a little bit. And, you know, it is pretty tight for them financially. So to know for five years that they have got X amount of money coming in, even if some championship clubs would argue that it could be more, you know, to know that that is coming in onto their balance sheet for the next few years means they can do a bit of forward planning, which I think is a. Uh, pretty useful for them especially you know a lot of teams league one two and two level don't have a lot of cash sloshing around Mm. there's also a um, caveat that allows the clubs who aren't being aired that week to actually broadcast the games that their team are playing on their own media channels so obviously you would have thought that would have affected the bigger clubs more in their ability to be able to do that but if the bigger clubs, uh, so for example, Leeds United and uh, Aston Villa have been mentioned in this regard, if they're being broadcast quite regularly, then they aren't able to monetize in that way as well. Exactly. And uh, there's also another issue where part of the deal, basically Sky can pick any game that they're not showing live and show it on their red button service, providing it doesn't take place during the the 3 p.m. sort of blackout window on a Saturday. So even if you know they're showing Leeds on a Wednesday night, they could technically also do coverage of Aston Villa uh, and it would be available to Villa fans on the red button. So you've got that combination of teams are appearing more on TV and then even when they're not, fans can still watch them on Sky, you know, so which means that they're not going to, you know, pay, say, £10, which is what, you know, clubs could charge for, a, you know, for, for them, for a fan to stream a live game or they might not go to the game. So, I mean, there are... Yeah, sort of risk to that, whereas teams lower down the pyramids, you know, have, have a better chance to monetize that. Although what I, should, what I would say is that, you know, statements that have been released by the EFL following the deal, one of the things they have talked about is it's giving more clubs an opportunity to monetize these streams. So I think it is good for some clubs, but as you say, it's not, not so good for others and some others aren't very happy about it. Mm. And I think one of the reasons why there's been disagreements about this deal is because there's really not seemed to be any period of negotiation with the clubs. And I believe when the when the first, the details of this first came out, as you said about a year ago, there were I think it was was it 19 clubs wrote and complained to the EFL, and that had very little effect whatsoever. So could you talk to us a little bit about about that process, the that well that lack of process, and the panel that actually was in in effect chose this unilaterally. Yeah, so you've got um, the EFL, uh, the EFL board. Uh, there are board of directors who are responsible for providing the organisation sort of strate- strategic direction, I should say. So they weren't, you know, put together just for this, but this is one of the things that they consult on. Uh, you've got nine directors there, and six of them are divisional representatives, uh, and they are elected by the member clubs. So at the moment, the championship directors are Brentford, Bristol City, and Reading. The League One directors are Walsall and Scunthorpe, and then the League Two director is Carlisle United. So you've got a bit of a mixture there, but uh, it's sort of quite apparent that there's no sort of in inverted commas big club on that board at the moment. Um, so these are the nine people that, in theory, look at and they read the. The offer that's been put forward by Sky and they decided to sign off on it. And that's despite, as you said, 19 championship clubs uh, writing and saying that they weren't happy about it. You know, they said they wanted a delay to signing the deal. The deadline was on Monday. They wanted a delay so they could, you know, have a bit more of a chat about it or maybe try and find, you know, a better deal or maybe come up with some alternatives, um, which is something that obviously 
that the FL board decided not to do. And I think that's one of the real issues here is communication, you know, sort of hearing, uh, hearing sort of reports that, you know, things to do with the streaming service, you know, weren't, that this sort of thing wasn't told to, to certain clubs when the EFL says that it was. You're hearing stories that certain clubs had an issue trying to actually see the TV deal during this interim period. You know, there seems to be a bit of a sort of a divide between the clubs and the EFL board and there's that sort of lack of communication and, and the fact that this TV deal isn't, is a little bit murky almost, you know, or some championship clubs feel they didn't really know what they were getting themselves into or that the EFL have signed off on this over their heads is sort of a reason for the backlash and a reason why this, you know, this could rumble on. Is five years a long time when it comes to broadcast rights deals, would you say? Yeah, I say so. I mean, I'm, I, I'm not aware of any other sort of five year deals. I'm, I'm sure there are other sports where they are, but certainly in a football sense, you know, traditionally the Premier League rights sort of get renewed every, every three years. And you, and you hear these huge numbers of these sort of four or five billion pound deals that keep happening, but they happen every, every three years. And so, and it's quite quick and, and things do change, you know, in that time and you get new broadcasters and you get, you know, new names coming in. And in a way that can be better for the league. I mean, you look at BT sports, you know, and entering into the, into the game and the, the, the last two rounds of Premier League rights have gone up by 70% each because of that competitiveness. And the only way you really, I guess you get a chance to really up the value of your rights is if you're sort of regularly putting them to auction and five years is obviously less regular. You mentioned before that, that there have been comments made about how the, the media landscape is quite fluid at the moment and five years represents a huge chunk of time in terms of both the media development but also developments in tech etc. Do you think there's a sense in which Sky TV are trying to tie down the EFL for five years precisely because they won't, they are, they're uncertain about their future as well? Quite possibly. Uh, you, I mean, you never know, but I think it's a lot like, you know, like, like signing a player at a club, you know, if you can get, if you can get a deal that works for you for five years, uh, and that's set in stone and that's part of their broadcast offering. And, you know, they want to, you know, be able to offer a certain amount of, uh, of sports to, to their customers. And, uh, if you can lock that in for five years at a price that they're happy to pay. And as you say, with, you know, things changing a lot. You know, they know that they don't have to want that. You know, they can sort of park that one until 2024. And uh, and also, apparently, I think they were the only serious bidder for these rights. So they could kind of call the shots a little bit. And I guess that meant that, you know, they could tie them down to this five year deal rather than in three years. Maybe, you know, as you say, it's a changing landscape. Maybe someone comes in, maybe 11 Sports comes in or maybe, you know, Amazon comes in or something like that. Whereas, you know, they've got this this parked that's there that's safe that's part of their you know their stable of content so to speak uh and i mean if they can lock it down then, then why wouldn't they you know your idea why there were no other bidders in this process is is it again that the that the efl are trying to force it through or is it simply that there isn't that, that it's not considered to be good value for these other outlets possibly i mean I, I would just be be speculating but you know sky have had it had it for years they know what they're doing they've got it all in place uh, obviously it works for them. And I think there might have been some interest from other broadcasters, but it is quite a big undertaking as well. And, you know, if you think, you know, BC Sport have got quite a lot of Premier League stuff uh, and sort of various other leagues and, you know, a lot of other broadcasters are busying themselves with, with, with other things. Uh, I'm not quite sure why there didn't seem to be as much interest. But again, I guess that sort of plays into the hands of Sky. And also, 
you know, you look at the argument of the EFL should have been should have been uh, negotiating a better deal. But if it was only really Sky in the picture, then you sort of wonder how you know how much better they they, they could have got it. You know, I don't know how much their hands was t- were tied. Let's talk about what's going to happen next. Then, firstly, in terms of what's going to happen in the immediate future of this deal, there's been talks of legal challenges being made by the clubs, and, and there's even been, I think, fairly overblown ideas of, of of clubs breaking away and forming a second Premier League, which I, I presume a, a, a pie in the sky. But what do you think the next few months will see? Yeah, I think as you said there, I mean, any sort of you know idea of a Premier League two or a breakaway is all very unlikely. Like, I don't think the the Premier League aren't on board with that. The FA aren't on board with that. You know, you need a whole different set of of backers and you know different broadcasters to show that. So I don't know what happened. But I think the most likely thing is is legal challenges. And if there was you know not that much clarity in the process, and if and if nine people decided to vote off on this on this big deal for five years that they knew that the majority of championship clubs weren't happy with, then uh, you might be looking at, um, you know, sort of clubs taking legal advice to see if uh, any regulations have been broken or there could be, you know, a vote of no confidence in the EFL boards, you know. They might say, yeah, that we don't, you know, we don't believe in what you're doing. I don't know if then what comes of that, if there is a vote of no confidence, you know, I mean, do they revisit the deal but I mean this is you know this is a legal thing they've, they've signed it with Sky they've signed it with a broadcaster you know you can't really just say actually we didn't really we didn't really like that deal we didn't think that you know it was worth enough money we felt that you know that we were undervalued compared to the Premier League you know with the with you know the amount of viewers that we're, that we're getting and that's really what it comes down to I know there's all this talk about streaming and about games on TV and that sort of thing but the, but it really just comes down to money and, and although 595 million pounds and a 35% increase sounds like a big increase on the last deal and a lot of money. It's still, you know, a long way short of the Premier League, which is only one tier above the championship, you know, is four and a half billion pounds, I think 4.6 billion for this, for this next round of games. You know, that's been going up by 70% each deal. Uh, this one is very much, you know, you know, a long way under that. And when you think that, I think it was 2016, 2017, the championship was the third most attended league in Europe. You know, you've got Aston Villa and Leeds are the, I think the 10th and the 12th biggest supported teams in England. There are seven championship clubs in the top uh, 20 uh, best average attendances last season in English football. So, and these are big clubs. You know, this is, this is a big league. And although it does sound like a lot of money, their real issue is that there's still this huge disparity between themselves and the Premier League. And that gap is only widening. And I think they feel they need to do something because otherwise they're locked into this deal until 2024. And I mean, who knows what the Premier League rights are going to be like in 2024, you know, and and it looks like this gap is just going to widen. And I think they want to try and do something. And if there is a way they can maybe get back to the negotiating table, then then they will. But I think it's going to be difficult. One final question then. What impact do you think this is going to have on the media landscape? Do you think this is really throwing the, the the idea of EFL broadcast rights out into the public domain, into the public consciousness. Do you think it's going to change the, the marketability of the, of the league? What do you think the, the sort of longer term impacts for this are going to be? I think, I don't know if it's going to impact the media landscape too much. I think I think this is more an internal EFL issue. I think this is, you know, a real... Uh, well, you know, people are calling it a revolt of championship clubs. And I think there's, there's going to be a real some heads butting together between the EFL board and the championship. And I'd be surprised if this deal changes massively. I mean, as far as Sky are concerned, they've, they've got it signed. 
But in the future, I mean, it could be five years down the line, but I think people will probably start to value these rights more um, or at least see that maybe, you know, the EFL are going to drive, a, drive a, a tougher bargain in the future. But I think for the time being, I, th- I think Sky is safe. They've got it locked in. They're all fine. I think the uh, sort of the changes that are going to occur over the next few months uh, are definitely going to be sort of internalised within within the EFL. But it should be very interesting to see what happens on that front because it could be could get tasty. Well, Alex, thanks for hopping on today. It's been great to hear about the deal. How can our listeners follow you on social media? I'm on Twitter as at Alex Bryson. Uh, and yeah, that's probably all you need to know. And that's Bryson with a Y, right? Yeah, B-R-Y-S-O-N, that's the one. Well, thank you very much for coming on today. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Football Media Podcast with me, John McKenzie. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, rate and review on iTunes, or follow us on Twitter at Footy Media Pod. You can tune in later this week to hear a roundtable discussion on women and the football media. But until then, have a good week. Goodbye. Goodbye.